Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, a legacy member of the Jittery Monkey Podcast family at JitteryMonkey.com, and proudly affiliated one of numerous, I'd say too many to count, but I honestly could count them if somebody's counted them. Anyway, we are uh, proud members of the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko, and it's good to have the entire team back together. To my right, Hoss Reuter. To my left, John Dam Johnston. Gentlemen, before we get into the nuts and bolts, let's just do an overall wellness check. John, how are you doing today? We should warn our listeners that there will be explicit language during this podcast. <laughs> You're goddamn right. There's going to be a lot of fucking explicit language on I, this podcast. I do give it the uh, expletive uh, tag when I. Nobody sees that. No, it, it shows up on it shows up on my uh, on my Apple Podcast app. It sure does. There's a little E with a box around it for explicit. Sweet. At least they're supposed okay. to. Okay. Well, we should just tell them there'll be explicit language during this podcast. So if they're you have sense, ang- they're if, very angry and hurt men. If you podcast. have uh, sensitive ears, you probably should go listen to something that's uh, pansy like. I, I used to. Well, I I, uh, I I don't say I used to, but the season ended. It was a serial podcast uh, from Marvel Comics, and it was a Wolverine podcast. But because of you know they they could do more with it, you know, in the audio format with language and such, uh, it would always say uh, this podcast or this recording is intended for mature audiences. Uh, listener discretion is advised. So there's your uh, there's your disclaimer, everybody. Uh, Hoss. Man, you were you were uh, you were right there and smack dab in the middle of the hell. So how are you doing? I've been better. Yeah, I've been a lot better. Um, I think the initial shell shock has subsided. I think that subsided late Sunday night when I got home from Boulder and started rewatching the game when my bags weren't even unpacked yet. Uh, then it faded into anger and then sadness and then anger again and i think i'm starting to come out of the woods at this point and uh starting to look forward but it's a little difficult when you spend you know a a good chunk of money going to this game and for one half of football you feel totally validated in making that trip and you start to maybe the shadow of doubt starts to creep in in the third quarter about whether you made that should have made that trip and then in the fourth quarter you get you know RKO'd out of nowhere by a 96 yard flea flicker which is the ballsiest damn call I've ever seen but um other than the show miss other than that Mrs. Lincoln how'd you enjoy the show yeah um so let me I want to explain to I want to say, I wanna I say wanna, this quick no I want to say this Fine. I want to. Thanks. I want to explain to people in Nebraska who listen to this podcast what it's like to live out of state. 
and be a Nebraska fan and not just a Nebraska fan, but be known for like being a Nebraska fan. Um, my customers have had a, a really good time with me this week. They've texted me yesterday. Uh, one of them, we had to set up a new account on a website and set up this administrative interface. And I said, you need to come up with a password. And he came up with uh, Nebraska Corn Hunters Suck Cobbs and other things. Well, if there are like six, nine in there. No, there's nothing fun in there. Well, so every time, every time for the rest of my fucking life, when I go to this administrative website to deal with our software, I'm going to have to type in that stupid fucking password. Now, I probably will change it at point some point, but like it's not PJ like you're going to forget. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, P, like change the password to like PJ Fleck wears man thongs. Well, he is a gopher season ticket holder. so. Oh, there you go. We might be able to. I might be able to return that favor, but in order to do that, we're going to have to play better. Speaking of opposing fans, fans of other schools, I would like the record to accurately reflect that ninety to ninety-five percent of Colorado fans, seriously cool, fine, upstanding people. The five percent is the trust funders who go to school there from Southern California and New England, and you know. Probably, I assume, parts of Colorado. And then the 65-year-old drunk Colorado fan who tried to get in, like, my face, my brother-in-law's face, and my brother-in-law's brother's face after the game. Why? Because he was like, he got up close to us. And he's like, what is that, five in a row? And I was like, dude, we've only played you guys two years and, you know, for two times since 2010. He's like, we beat you five years in a row. And it was like, oh, eight, oh, nine, 10. I was like, 18, 19. Put up two fingers, put the index finger down, just flipped him off. And I think he finally got the message just to leave us alone. He walked. He, <laughs> you know, he didn't walk away. He kind of stumbled away, you know. But um, then one of my buddies on the trip, him and his girlfriend got separated from the rest of us. And they walked <laughs> underneath the, or by a dorm hall and, they had a bunch of 18-year-old trust funders shouting shit down at them from a third-story dorm room. But other than that, the Colorado fans I talked to were really cool. They were really happy to – they would ask and were really happy to hear how we were treated, you know, by other CU fans. And I mean, it was – other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? It was it was all right, you know. Um but damn, it made for a very depressing Saturday night, made for a very depressing Sunday, nine hours of driving back to Omaha. And I tell you, the saddest sight you'll ever see is four, you know, people in their mid to late 20s sitting at a Wendy's in Broomfield, Colorado after the game, sunburnt and depressed and trying to piece together what the fuck just happened. Well, I'm going to start uh, this episode off the same way I started off. The game on Saturday, <laughs> and that's yeah. I started off. I started off the game that way too. Bought a nine dollar Coors banquet from a guy who bared bore a striking resemblance to Bob the Bulldog Briscoe from the show Frasier. So this comes to us from uh, Deschutes Brewery in Bend, Oregon. 
It is their, uh, it's called their Mirror Pond Pale Ale. It's, uh, I drank five out of the six on, on Saturday. Uh, it's five. No, no, we talked about that last week. We'll get to there. Uh, but it's 5.0% ABV, 40 IBUs. It's a really good beer that I'll never again be able to have on a game day because I'm superstitious as can be. The first half, I think I drank, you know, three of them and things were rolling. I stopped drinking a little bit after halftime. You know, I didn't want to, my wife was asleep. I didn't want to just get, you know, obnoxious with my son right here. I'm get blitzed. Um, not that like, you know, but I, I didn't want my three-year-old to be like, why does dad keep drinking that juice and then yelling at the TV? Um, <laughs> so I, you know, they might as well learn. <laughs> they, they should. Yeah. If I want learn them to learn that, if, if, if I want my son to learn that lesson, I'm just going to ship him to your house, John. Uh, yeah, but that wouldn't be right. He'll come back with a litany of new words. That, yes. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, uh, man, you should. It, it, I, and you'll have to explain them all to him. Yeah, I will. Um, but, uh, fine beer, uh, you know, you pick it up you know, or look for it in your local, you know, beer liquor store. Um, we talked about this on the show last week, Hoss. I said, you know what? They play uh, so, you know, Saturday afternoon. I always do grocery shopping after church on Sunday. So if they win, to celebrate, I'll get a Sixer, a Coors Banquet at the grocery store on Sunday. It's right. sometime during the game. And friend of the show, Josh, sends me you know, a, a message. He says, got your Coors Banquet? I said, they haven't won the game yet. He said, I got my Coors Banquet. Cause he was down. He was like, he's like, I'm ready to, ready to join in. I'll, he's like, I'll join in this Coors banquet, you know, poor decision making parade. And, uh, I said, well, they haven't won yet. So I'm not getting any. And then he showed me a picture after the game. He's sitting out on his patio with the cigar and the Coors banquet and, uh, and enjoying, he wasn't enjoying life. He was, he was pretty pissed off, but, uh, he was, yeah, he, yeah, poor, poor. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you mean to tell me that. You're the reason that we lost because you said it ain't won yet, and you didn't buy it beforehand and just think, you know what? Even if we lose, I'll drink these Coors banquets and you know, honor of a you know very significant person to this podcast. I'll t- uh, I was mad of my word when we talked on the show. I said if I they sh- win, I'll sh- buy them Sunday. Uh, Don't. That's right. That's right. Mm. You know what? You would have been proud of me. I had an IPA at a very hoity-toity brewery in Netherland, Colorado. Ooh. It was actually quite good because their only domestic option was a Miller Lite. Ooh. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. We have uh, – well, obviously we're – pull up the text I sent you I'm, earlier I'm, today I'm for our list of things. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, what, I, what's you, what are you whipping out? <laughs> I'm it, – it, it, it's just me and Greg. That, when we want to exclude you from conversations, we just text. Oh, that's like all the time, man. Actually, John, what's I should get your note. We'll add you to the group chat. We'll have a group chat. I feel like we already have a group chat in the Slack room, like just the three of us for the show. <laughs> but then we'd have our phone numbers. It'd be an official group <laughs> chat. Um. So anyway, we've got a. The good news, John, is that there's nothing you don't know or nothing that you know you didn't observe so we're not going to blindside you with anything ridiculous um oh it's okay it's, it doesn't matter right now no it matters just go ahead blindside me hit me come on no 
Make me feel something again, Greg. (laughs) I love you. Anything at all. By the way, uh, folks who are listening to this, if you haven't listened to John's uh, uh, post-life crisis episode, the post-game, you know, sadness podcast that uh, dropped on Tuesday. uh, Was that terrible? It was it was depressing, and not not for any of the reason other than just everybody's mood was kind of like, <sighs> except for Patrick who came in, and then he sent me a message afterwards. He's like, "Oh, that was a lot of fun." I'm like, "I don't know what you're talking about," because I was recording a different podcast. He's like, "You weren't in on the call?" I said, "No, I, I wasn't." He said, uh, "He said I just got in there and riled up Evan." <laughs> so, God, so I don't rem- I don't remember it. I didn't listen to it again. I don't want to remember it. I just. Well, I'm, I'm telling I, uh, I'm telling other people to listen to it. I'm trying to. Oh, uh, okay. You're trying to boost our podcast listeners. I'm trying trying to boost it. So go back and listen if you haven't yet to uh, John's post life crisis for this week. I think I, I called it Coronation's raw reactions. Uh, but I, Haas, just if, if you haven't listened to it yet, Evan comes in and the first thing he says on the on the show is something like, "Well, the refs really gave it to us dry or ran oh, us dry." God. Or something. <laughs> Oh God! I saw. Well, he said that again in the Slack chat. Yeah. Weeby, my man. No, they didn't. No, that like it was a self. Like this game was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. It was. So, like literally, like let's just we, get into it. This game was the equivalent of we, as a collective program, went into the garage and turned on the car with the garage door shut. Well, that's pretty drastic. Well. What else is there? We went the entire – I guess we're just jumping right in here. Yes, we are. Let's go. We went the entire third quarter without mustering more than – do we even have a first down in the third quarter? I don't I don't know. I can look this stuff up, though. I don't think because we did. Over, over the course of that, I started to notice at the game in Boulder, field position – the field position battle was slipping away from us. We're punting from inside our own 30 most of the time. Actually, pretty much every time. And Colorado started to get a little bit better and better and better field position. Now, that ended up not mattering. But what mattered was our offense couldn't even sustain a drive out to the 50 and choose some time off the clock and get a de- get the defense a good rest on the sideline. And then I think a drive before the flea flicker, you saw the hands on the hips. You saw, you know, there's a lot of huffing and puffing going on. And right then and there, with that and then the flea flicker, it was like, this is going to be a wild fourth quarter. And I didn't, th- I didn't think that we were going to hold on to win at that point. Well, let's at least try to do this in, in chronological Linear. order. Uh, the Huskers come out, get to, you know the ball first, and march down the field and score. Exactly what you'd like to see. Uh, they stopped Colorado on you know the Buffalo's first offensive drive. The second uh, offensive possession for Nebraska is Adrian Martinez' first fumble. Uh, I I can't remember if I said it in Slack or on Twitter, but I think it was in Slack. I said you know of all the ways I want you know there, there are a lot of ways that a quarterback can get tackled. I just man that was ugly. Um, got upended, lost the ball. And, and he fumbled the exact same way on the exact same play last year against Colorado on our second drive. How do you I think it was the same guy that hit him, Nate Landman. How do you remember this stuff? I have an eidetic memory. He's well, young. 
He's killed his brain with alcohol. <laughs> no, that's a surprise. Anyway, uh, I mean, let, let's just let's just look at the first Honestly, half. A good off-season topic was you should find some fucking obscure game and get the box score and just like read off who scored the touchdown and when, and I'd probably be able to tell you what play it was on, what kind of play it was on. That's good. We're sticking to Colorado. Yeah. Seventeen nothing at the half. Uh, let's talk about what Nebraska was doing. Good at the half. Yeah, let's talk exactly. Let's talk about what Nebraska was doing right in that first half. Well, we weren't running the ball real effectively at that point. I think Adrian had like forty-five yards rushing in the first half, and I don't really know right off the top of my head what Mo and Dedrick Mills had in the first half on the ground. But we were being a on offense, and we were just getting after their asses defensively. I mean, Colorado didn't gain a single rushing yard in the first half, I believe. I don't know. I don't know for certain. It's kind of hearsay because there's no stat board Folsom Field, and they don't they update on, the they only had ever. They only had 89 yards rushing for the game, so yeah. rushing wasn't the issue. I mean, 2.4 no. average for rush for them. And honestly – the defensive line, up until getting, I was going to say up until getting gassed, but even after they were a bit gassed and Colorado was, you know, had caught lightning in a bottle, the defensive line was still mauling and getting off blocks and putting some pressure on Montez. It was just the back end of the defense got so damn leaky after that. But in that first half, everything was tight, everything was crisp. Lamar Jackson had that great interception right before the half. Uh, we actually had an opportunity to, you know, the term double dip going into the half, score on the last possession of the first half and score on the first possession of the second half. We actually had an opportunity to triple dip there before the end of the – or between the end of the first half and the start of the second. Instead, we only come away with a field goal. And 17 nothing might look like a big lead, but when you boil it down, it's a one-possession game, you know, with just two scores, you can piece together two scores coming out of the half. It's a one possession game. It didn't, that lead didn't feel safe, but the way we were playing made it feel safe. I mean, I, they had, I, I didn't they, see this coming. When we they had, had zero yards rushing in the first half and 84 yards passing. And, that and was most good. of their stuff, Montez was 13 of 18 in the first half for 84 yards, right. 89 yards, whatever it was. That's a pretty good completion percentage, but, I mean, shit, we're limiting stuff. They're not getting open deep. Chenault's not running through coverage like it's nothing, and he really didn't for the entire game. Five catches, 31 yards. We're playing about as good of a football game as you could ask for in these circumstances in that first half. We didn't punt in the first half. Yeah, that's right. And then... I, I, I watched the second half to me look like uh, our beloved coach, Scott Frost, felt like he had a lead and he could just sit on it. He coached scared. I, he, listen, he when coached, you're doing two, two yards of rush, you're going to cut it. Scared. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there, there's I, none of that bravado and ballsiness that he had at UCF. Um, you know, it's almost like, a part of him is intimidated by the sheer magnitude of this job. 
you know, which kind of dictates some of his play calls to be a little bit on the uh, more conservative side. But you're not, you can't coach like that, you know. Um, I, and I get it. It's easy for us to sit there without the the enormous crushing gravity of this job, you know, sitting on top of us. But look, look at Colorado. Look at that staff. They continue to coach, you know, fearlessly throughout the entire game. And, you know, the overtime and the situational play calling is an area that he needs to get a lot better at. That was one of my criticisms of Frost last year that he didn't, um, he wasn't a good situational play caller. And now we're going on what? That was our fifth overtime game since 2015 that we haven't um, scored a point in overtime. Really? Is that right? Yeah, the last time we scored a point in overtime was Kenny Bell's touchdown catch against Iowa in 2014. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's just – and starting out in overtime, once that became you know a rule in college football, we went on a run of being undefeated in overtime all the way up until, like, I think 08 against Texas Tech. Right. And so, you know, I like I like the second down play call that Frost had for Maurice Washington. It was a buck sweep to one side and then a G G lead to the other. And if Adrian reads that linebacker, you know, he's walking in for a walk-off touchdown. But then after the game, they said that um, Adrian said that he was coached all week not to read the play, just have a predetermined given. Handcuffing the offense is Why? something that – Well, it's – they're banking on that he's going to take the bait, that that linebacker's going to take the bait of the polling guard, Bo Wilson, to that side and stay away from the play, the the sweep side for Maurice. And what ends up happening is that linebacker takes the sweep and leaves that B-gap wide open. So he could have gone in for the touchdown. We could be talking about winning this game 37-34. And instead, okay. we're sitting here talking about this. And if you're going to handcuff a spread quarterback to not make decisions, what the offense is built upon, it's going to look pretty ugly. Well, what we've heard about Scott Frost since he got here, and even before when he's at UCF, is, hey, the, we need quarterbacks that are quick decision makers. Well, they're not going to get to be any better at decision making if you don't let them. Yeah, and it almost strikes me as they're – handcuffing and predetermining the reads as a means of keeping Adrian healthy, which I, I understand. But at the same time, you see pocket passing quarterbacks get just as bad, if not worse injuries sitting in the pocket than you do quarterbacks who take off and run. Is it is it that they're keeping him from injury or is it because the interior of the offensive line really doesn't know what they're doing? Uh, keeping him from injury. Because I, you know, the interior of the O-line, I'd rather be having the quarterback read the D-end or a linebacker right. and okay. get out of there. You know, because if you're just handing off the ball and you have bad interior O-line, that's just going to, you know, you're going to be running into a brick wall. Well, let's and talk. so, you know, I like that play call. Wish Adrian would have read it. But other than that, in overtime, Frost play calling was just ultra conservative. Um, saying that he didn't want to risk an incompletion or an, intercept, or an interception or a sack. You got to put the ball in your best player's hands, and that's Adrian Martinez. 
And when I rewatched the game, Brock Heward was saying that right before that overtime series started for us. Put the ball in your best player's hands. Have him run like an eye back, like what Frost did as a player. And so, uh, it's. I did. I don't think the flea flicker was that. That wasn't that ballsy. Oh, uh, where they were that's, at? No, that's the perfect call. It really uh, is. I mean, wouldn't you consider that the safeties and the linebackers are going to be screaming against the run from your own four yard line? I agree, but. A lot could happen. What if, you know, Mangum, their back is getting tackled as he flips the ball back to... They're already fucking Vance. losing. I mean, they... they you know they what I mean? They were it. losing. They were losing. If you're already losing, I don't get why you would go, oh, God, we can't do this because we're losing already. We could lose worse. You know what I mean? Yeah, but when you think about it, a lot of bad could still happen on a trick play, and from your own end zone isn't exactly the best place to try that. It's the Most best coaches. place in the world. because See, you're, no, you're, That's you're why it's a trick play. On. That's why it's a trick play. Somebody should give me $3 million a year. No, they should give you $0.03 cents a year. Whoa! Pow! Let's, uh, let's talk real quick. $0.03? Cents? Hoss, yeah. one, over the last... Uh, 12 to 14 months, two words of yours have just continued to resonate. You know, after all, you know, after all the, the moments, games, good and bad, incremental improvement. Yes, sir. I think, I continue, I think we'll continue to see improvement overall from this unit as the season goes on. But as far as just a little thing that needed to be cleaned up, we saw a much better performance out of Cam Jurgens, I think, this this week. Uh, we didn't see oh, any. He played a phenomenal game. I, I don't think we really had any snaps that sailed or anything like that. Um, the only bad snap came on that third and nine in overtime. Okay. Yep. <laughs> you so, know, and that, I mean, shit. It's scary how the parallels were to that Northwestern game. Same score. Oh, went into overtime, bad snap on third down, just like in that game. Um, Colorado not shutting the fucking music off when the, our offense was at the line of scrimmage, just like the Northwestern DJ wouldn't. And uh, Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When Frost burned that timeout to start the second half, I was convinced it, in the stadium it was because they weren't shutting the music off. I mean, we're, you know, Adrian was basically the point of calling his cadence, and that music was still blaring. And that is one shitty sound system that they have in Boulder. Huh. I did not know that. that speaker's blown, turned all the way up, and, of course, it was positioned right by the Husker section. So We can, yeah. we can kind of couple these next couple of things together, and that's halftime adjustments that made by Colorado that – or defensive adjustments that contributed to Nebraska's offense being forced off the field quickly uh, in their possessions and the defense getting, you know, just gassed uh, in in the third quarter. Mm -hmm. It was, I, I want to say that it was our friends at the Big Red Cobcast, shout out to them, who said, you know, it's not a matter of talent on the defense, it's a matter of depth. And it seems like we ran out of, bodies that we could put out there you know, we played 52 guys i agree with that to a point
point um, that it's more of an issue of depth rather than talent. But uh, I think this game could have been salted away a lot sooner if we had, you know, a dominant pass rusher. It was nice to see um, Caleb Tanner get a sack, but if we had a guy who could consistently, you know, force Montez out of his spot on drop back passes, that would have been huge. I mean, we we got after Montez pretty good. Uh, I don't know how many sacks we had, but it was more than a few. Uh, Tanner had one. The Davis twins had one. I think Alex Davis had one. But we got to force him to move around more and force him into, even if we don't get the sack, just force him into making an errant throw. I had six. And the difference in really uh, salting this game away a lot sooner. Wait a minute. They had six. We had three. Okay, so Caleb Tanner and I think the Davis twins for the two that had the sacks. But Colorado adjusted, you know, offensively, they just opened it up a little bit more, you know, the flea flicker. And, you know, they started working deep to like Demetrius Stanley and Tony Brown. Um, defensively, they really adjusted. I wrote about it in the frost focus for this week. Um, I was really impressed with Colorado's defensive coordinator, Tyson Summers, who was at UCF with George O'Leary as his DC when they upset that uh, Baylor team, that Art Browse Baylor team in the Fiesta Bowl back in 2013. And he threw the kitchen sink at our offense. He he messed with our protection schemes, um, confused a young offensive line, got Adrian uncomfortable utilize different things like the green dog blitz and you know they props to them for adjusting it seemed like we didn't adjust in that after halftime felt like we kept just trying to do what we were doing so i mean so at one point you don't feel like you need to adjust because you've you know really dominated that first half but you also have to anticipate what they're going to adjust to and start to think about what you're going to put into place to deal with their adjustments. You know, it's a punch-counterpunch situation. I want to throw this out there, and it's, I, don't know, I don't like making comparisons between this staff and other staffs, but is that seem to be Nebraska's biggest hurdle over the last decade is – maybe a a lack of willingness or any, I I don't just, nobody wants to make any halftime adjustments. And it's, it's been Mm -hmm. ongoing. Isn't isn't a halftime adjustment kind of a fallacy? No. I mean, you have to adjust throughout the game. You do, but I'm talking when you dominate a team like we did in that first half, you need to be you need to anticipate that they're going to counter with a haymaker of their own, and they did. Um, that third and six where Adrian got sacked uh, by Makai Black. I don't know if it was Makai Blackman. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was him. Um, our our we were anticipating man coverage. We got deked by their simulated pressure where they faked like they were bringing heat and then dropped their three inside linebackers who were up on the line of scrimmage back off into coverage, kind of like Dick LeBeau used to do with the Pittsburgh Steelers on those old fire zone blitzes. And uh, 
we thought that they were going to be in man and they came out in zone. They came out in zone against a, against our play mesh, the two crossing routes, shallow crossing routes where we were anticipating man coverage and they came out in zone, which is a mesh killer and a simulated pressure to confuse the young offensive line when we hadn't ran that play all year. Colorado did a great job of anticipating what we were going to do. Well, good for them. Yeah. Uh, trust me, it makes me want to puke saying nice things about them. Well, you know what? They did win. They did a good job. They came back. You know what I mean? You, you got to give it to them. Oh, yeah. I mean, they like I told some of the CU fans I ran into after the game, I was like, hey, you know, congrats. Go enjoy it. You know, you... <laughs> You guys had a well-earned, well-fought win. I think I said something like that on Twitter. Maybe don't, I didn't. I shook I, hands I with some did. CU fans. You know, I was cordial. I was really having to put on a front of, uh, you know, keeping my head held high because I was, I was, I was fucking pissed after this game. One more thing that's specifically this game related, and then we'll take a break and, and move on to more when we come back, but whew, that kick. Mm. Uh, I thought it knuckled in for a second from my vantage point. Well, you must have had the one know, seat I in the house. I didn't know it was no good until uh, I saw their trust funder students rushing the field. We we don't know Barrett Pickering's exact situation um, or timeline. I'm willing to bet it's probably something if, with a soft tissue injury or the kicker. I'm willing to bet that it's something in the hips. Probably. All, I, the only thing that I can really say at this point is that we're no longer kicker you. No. Uh, well, this week, the you know, uh, Mitch Sherman had in The Athletic an article about how they had gone to the Nebraska Soccer Club looking for walk-ons. Oh, Lord. Just gotta remember. What's that over the what bar? What's that tell you? Uh, it tells me that we should have never tried to kick it in overtime. Let's just start going for two. You know, and honestly, I would have been. Maybe I'm saying this with the benefit of hindsight, but I would have almost been more okay with go, going for it on that fourth and nine. Or it wasn't fourth and nine because we lost yardage. Fourth and sixteen, or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, you weren't in good field position at third and nine. No, no. Uh, I mean we're we're chilling on the twenty four yard line. We're looking at you know twenty four seventeen forty one forty two yard field goal. That too. Uh, yeah, forty one. My math. I'm not a math major. Um. Yeah, we're not in good spot there. And then when it becomes a forty eight yard field goal with a guy who hasn't kicked since he's in high school and. You know, for as loud as it was as a pro Nebraska crowd at the beginning of that game in large stretches, those Colorado fans, you know, they they got the party started, you know, for themselves in that in the fourth quarter in overtime. And that was a hostile situation to kick in. And as we all know, it was wildly unsuccessful. And uh, I don't blame Isaac Armstrong. No, was, I, he should have never been put in that position. Exactly right. He was there a, were about. And I really don't put blame on any single player in this game because there were about 30 different opportunities that we had the chance to step down on their throats and end them. 
Well, we're we're gonna look more macro, big picture stuff when we come back. Uh, this is not. Are we are we gonna go into Northern Illinois? Yeah. Damn, John. Okay. We're only halfway through. I'm just checking. I mean, it's it's a it's Northern Illinois. Are we really gonna spend that much time on them? It's a grudge match. You know what? If we don't play well, we're gonna lose this game. Oh, I actually God. don't have a. I actually don't have a good feeling about this game. All right, we were coming you can't off, say yeah, it's just Northern it. Illinois now. We'll, we'll talk about it in depth when we get back. Okay, we'll be back with the Five Heart Podcast. These two negative Nancys, Debbie Downers. We're just depressed, Greg. I'm not depressed. Right. I'm ready no, to move. Just, on. Wait a minute, no, John, we you're not depressed. It? You're just schizophrenic. <laughs> Right after this. Okay. Blue shoe. Make people happy. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast, the SB Nation Podcast Network. We are uh, Coronation's preeminent podcast. Take that of bangerangs and daggers, you sons of bitches. Basketball commies. Greg Mahochko here, and as I said just before the break, my... uh, my guests, or not my guests, my co-host, Debbie Downer, Negative Nancy. Um, I'm going to let you fight for whichever one you all want. Schizophrenic Sally. Yeah. Um, wow. So, Scott Frost said in, in the post game that he went into the, team, uh, the locker room, told the team afterwards that that one was on him. He said similar, you know, he, he made similar comments after the South Alabama game. I appreciate that he has the wherewithal to shoulder the responsibility. And Adrian Martinez made, you know, such, you know, such leadership imbued comments, uh, as well, you know, saying it, it doesn't matter. You know, I've got to step up. We've got to be better. You know, things like that. They're saying the right things, but damn it, they're not showing it on the field. John. It's because it's easy to say the right things. It's hard to do them, and that's true in everything. Winning's hard. Every other week, I'm going to quit drinking. <laughs> I'm not. I, I gave up drinking soda. Does that count? Yes, that's it, a big step in the right direction. It is. That's a good thing, Greg. Good job. I'm not going to give up uh, drink up. Let me try that again. I probably should now, but I'm not going to give up drinking this. That's right. Okay. It's a, it's a two beer episode, everybody. You know, my take on uh, Frost taking the blame for this one and then for last week against South Alabama as well is we're just not that good. We're not I don't good. disagree I, with that. I, there's, I a do re- not. there's a reason why the entire offseason I said eight and four before hitting the Kool-Aid ever so slightly before the season started and pumping up to 10 and two, but eight and four, you know, I think is, I think it's really the honest ceiling for this team right now. And it would be, make no mistake, eight and four might sound disappointing, but that would be a huge step in the right direction when you consider that we've gone four and eight, two years in a row. And we're just not that good right now. Do you think it's a long season and you and you compound week to week incremental improvement over the course of, you know, 10 more weeks. And maybe we're singing a different tune at the end of the season. Hopefully we're singing a different tune. But as it stands right now, we have a lot of work to do. 
gobs. <laughs> when, I mean, this is, it almost seems like for the first time in a while, I mean, th- and we talked about it here on the show, but this was an off-season where, you know, inside Husker Nation, we were not necessarily buying the hype that the national media was putting on this team. And now, two weeks in, uh, a win, although you know, disappointing as it was against South Alabama and then losing the way we did to Colorado on the road, it almost seems like Husker Nation might have been right on this one and and uh and the national media who had such, you know, high hopes uh was a, a little bit mistaken. Yeah, definitely. Um it seemed like the national media really wasn't in tune with our roster defic- our what our roster looked like and the roster deficiencies that we had. And, you know, they kept just expecting the same year to jump under Scott Frost. As he you know, what? I, I, I interviewed Jason Kirk, a Banner Society, right, SB Nation guy, and then I interviewed Matt Brown. And I asked him why, you know, why do you think uh, Nebraska has this hype? And they said, well, number one, Scott Frost. Because he does have – he did have a background at UCF at Turner, and he has a good coaching pedigree. The second reason was Adrian Martinez. And the fact is, is if Adrian Martinez was playing at the same level he was at the end of last season, we'd have beat the shit out of Colorado, and we'd have beat the shit out of South Alabama. Oh, now, for whatever is- reason – for whatever reason, he is not. Whether he's not comfortable with the offensive line, he's thinking too much, he's got this sophomore slump going on. But those were good reasons to be excited and hyped about the team. Well, leading into – right before the season started, I kind of thought, you know, like what if Adrian has a sophomore slump? And I kind of quickly shook that off. But the thing that kept kind of nagging at me was the loss of – Tanner Farmer, Stanley Morgan, and Divino Zigbo. Well, we thought Dedrick Mills was going to be the next Divine of Zigbo. And, uh, and right whether, now, as it stands right now, we haven't seen a single flash from him. No, you know, no. I hope that he can. Yeah. Uh, but right now, I'm not seeing it. They just need to improve as the year goes on. I mean, you know. Yeah, look at Northwestern under Fitzgerald in the last few years. The guy's gone into his non-conference season and had crap, you know. I mean, last year he won the Big Ten West. Granted, it was a mess, but he put his team together in the non-conference games that he didn't look very good in and and then went in and won the conference, won his division. Well, so, I, was, I was talking to one of my friends who made the trip with me on Saturday after the game, and he was saying, well, I'm just not going to – get excited anymore about, you know, games. I'm just going to, you know, until they show me otherwise. And I was telling him, it's just a week to week. You got to take it on a week to week basis. You know, I we're know. not good enough to overlook anyone. Every game's a must win. You know, there's no gimmies, not where we're at right now. There's no gimmies on this schedule. They well, played I, 52 guys. I'm glad, Hoss, I'm glad you mentioned that particular exchange and that wording as you did as far as, well, I'm just not going to get excited because that brings up a really big, first of all, any fans who are on message boards or on Twitter or whatever saying, oh, well, maybe we need to rethink this Scott Frost hire. Shut the fuck up. Just, mm-hmm. I don't, I haven't seen that anywhere. It's, it's, I've seen it it's been blessings. out there. We're four, really? we're 14 games into the man's, 
you know, stint at Nebraska, and all you're doing with your negative sourpuss attitude is, you know, you know who looks online at, at Twitter and such recruits, and if they see that you're not behind this man when a year ago he couldn't do anything wrong, even with an zero and six start, then they're they're going to go look at Iowa. They're going to go look at potentially Colorado or Michigan or Ohio State or, and, and you know, just shut the fuck up. Um, I'm, I'm going to say something here that is controversial. Hang on tight. Uh, you have to go in to every football game and every season with high expectations and high hopes. And I don't mean unrealistic. What's that? Part of being a fan. Yeah. And, and and I don't mean, you know, like, oh, well, they beat South Alabama by 14 points. Get them in the uh, college football playoff. Realistic high hopes, but you, you don't ever go in with the, a fucking sourpuss attitude. If you want to do that, if, if you just, if you're worried, if if the ceiling for you is 9, 10 wins, conference championships, it's not a bad ceiling. Let's get the fuck out of the Big Ten, go join the Mountain West, kick their asses every year, and never play for a national championship. Well, it's like when I was saying, you know, I kept holding steady at 8-4 and four all off season since last season ended, really, too. It wasn't like, oh, I'm rooting just for 8-4 and four and that I have low expectations. It's like, no, 8-4 and four is the realistic expectation. But once that game clicks on, I don't care if... We're playing Alabama for crying out loud. I'm going to be rooting my ass off for a win. The difference is when the res- final result comes and you drop a game, or in the course of in the context of an eight and four prediction, four games, you're bummed out, you're depressed, you're angry, you're sad, all those things that you feel as a fan after your favorite team loses. But it's not like something is endemically. You know, you're not like just I'm done putting in my emotional and you know financial investment into this team. It's like, no, well, no, I'm I'm fucking bummed about the loss, but you know, hey, we'll get them. You know, we'll get them next week. No, know? no, I get that attitude. Yeah, being bummed week, you know, week to week, or you know, in an eight and four season, four times a year. Although, you know, if you play Ohio State and you lose in overtime to them. I would still I say would, I would be I would be just my soul would be crushed, but I wouldn't be like fucking pissed about the program. No, and, and and you're crushed because you're right there. You're on the cusp of victory, and once again, it eludes you. But there's still reason to be hopeful there because Ohio State, and I fucking hate Ohio State. I don't think there's a single team from the state of Ohio that I can stomach. And Ohio State, Cleveland Browns are are at the upper echelon of fucking teams that I hate. Don't get me started on Cincinnati Bengals. The the only yeah. Um, Seriously, I there is a long story about how much I hate the Bengals. Or you know what? In in or the Cavaliers or uh, the Reds. Frank Solich, I, Ohio's Bobcats. Ah, eh, they're not even on the radar. <laughs> I, I just Honestly, that one sorry, fighting Frank Soliches, um, but. I still take some positive away from that because, like them or not, Ohio State and I can't call them the Ohio State. Their the court or the patent office. No, that got shot down. I, exactly. They they completely dismissed that that uh, request. Uh, so Ohio State, I hate them, 
but and I don't really respect them, but I understand that they're you know they've been the class of the Big Ten for you know a decade and a half, you know more years than not they're they're up up at the top. So if I'm within you know if we're within three or seven of Ohio State, that's fine, and I'm going to be just as excited because I still see the program moving in the right direction. We lose by three on the road at Colorado in overtime, especially the way we started the game, and yeah, it sucks. But we're 14 games in to this uh, coaching staff's system, to the product that they're putting on the field. We still have a young team on offense and a defense that and we saw get gassed in the second half because they spent most of it on the field. Back off. If, if you're one of those people on Twitter who are saying, well, I'm just, I don't know if I'm going to go to the game on Saturday, then fucking don't. Sell your tickets on StubHub. Give them to your great aunt, Betsy. I, I don't know. I don't know if any great aunt Betsy's want to go to the game or if they're out of the retirement home. Uh, but then don't. Somebody wants to be there. That, there's a reason, even in the bad years, there's a reason that that sellout streak has been going on since 1960, whatever. Um, even if it's on paper, I don't give a shit. Somebody wants to be at that. I want to be at that stadium. I can't. I'm two and a half states over. But somebody wants to be in that stadium on game day. If you don't want to be that person, give them away on Facebook. I guarantee you, you'll have a taker. Just Jeez, shut Greg, you, you should drink more when you're doing the podcast. Well, it just it pisses me <laughs> off. And, and, and I can't remember what I, I was listening to. I can't remember what, what if it was – no, it couldn't have been John's podcast. That didn't drop until Tuesday. So I was listening to the, to the Cobcast, and those guys, you know, they were all saying – that they weren't saying that they don't have high hopes or they're not excited. But for whatever reason, and I don't remember the context, but they said something, and it struck this edit. I'm looking at our Slack chat, and I, I said at 11.44 a.m. Monday uh, – no, I guess – shit, it was yesterday. Never mind. Everything's out the window now. Um, anyway, I have high hopes – I continue to have high hopes for Husker football, and I'm not going to let this three-point setback to Colorado dash my fandom because if without my Husker fandom, i got to be a full-time Steelers fan, and we just got our dicks kicked in the dirt by fucking New England, uh-huh. and I can't do that. So I need I need to have one team that I can believe in. And well, you know, I that sounds awfully similar to the exchange I had not like it was a heated exchange, but just conversation with one of my friends on the trip when he was saying, you know, that until they show him something different on the field, he won't go to another game or he won't go to another road game. And I told him, I was like, you know, I've sat through a lot of shitty losses. I became a fan in 02. I don't remember the glory days. You know, I was too young at that time to remember the glory days of the 90s. I've gone to games. I've gone to road games. I buy the gear. I watch the games. And I've had my heart broken and my soul crushed more often than not, you know, following this team. But what other hobby am I going to replace it with? And I told him, I go, none. It is my favorite hobby. You know, Husker football is, aside from faith and family, you know, it's something that I love. You know, it's third on the list of things that I love and, you know, really, you know, cherish in life. And so I was like, I'm still going to be there, you know. I'm still going to go to games. I'm still going to buy the gear. I'm still going to watch the games. Still going to be emotionally invested. 
a three-point loss on the road to Colorado when you're coming off a two, four, and eight seasons. Let's not make this into like it's the, uh, you know, it's a referendum on the Scott Frost era. And let's not turn this into the heartbreak that's usually reserved for losing like a national championship game. Let's keep it in perspective, you know. And I have seen other people on social media say that they're sick of spending all this money going on road games. Yeah, I get it. It's expensive, you know. I'm a college student and I worked, you know, a second job over the summer so I could afford to go on this trip. But if Husker football and following Husker football is causing you emotional distress and financial distress to that extent where you're going to pull back on both of them, you need to probably reevaluate your life. Well, shit. I mean, trust me. This is just driving me into alcoholism. What do you think I should do, Hot? Shit. (laughs) <laughs> Even though I've supported Mike Riley, I can't tell you a single game of the Riley era that I watched Stone Cold sober. And not even like, I'm not even talking about just catching a little buzz. I'm talking, there were plenty of games where I was just shit house drunk because it was such painful football to watch. Okay, we used to have a rule on the site on coordination.com. That's my site, our site. Yeah, we know, Mr. Coordination. We used to have a rule Mr. on the site that, that uh, what the hell was that? Mr. Coordination. You're Mr. Coordination. Yeah, okay. My God. You have some more beer. Mr. Worldwide. Anyway, they they talk about last week's game ends on Wednesdays. And they talk about the next week game goes from Wednesday night on. And this podcast drops on Friday. Yeah, but we're recording it on Wednesday. What's the point, John? The point is, is we move on now because, you know... It, yeah. If you want a real life scenario, here's the thing: I got to live with a brain injury every day. Every some days I wake up with a terrible headache and I can barely function. So because of force, because of what's happened in my life, I tried to actually, you know, I have to live day by day, pretty much. So does this bug me? Yeah, but I'm gonna let's, you know, it's week to week with football. No, no, I and get it. It should, and, and, be, it should people should be, but they always do this. We have to do predictions every year in the August. What are we going to do this year? And we're always crazy, uh, you know. Well, if you breaks go our way and we stay healthy, we're looking at twelve and zero. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, oh, maybe yeah. we just oh, see yeah. what happens day to day, week to week with this team, and relax and just kind of enjoy the journey, man. And honestly, honestly, I think. And this is going to sound counterintuitive because I hate losing more than I actually like winning. Like the thrill of winning is great, but like it's pretty short lived. It's like, okay, you know, got to get ready for another one. Losing just pisses me off. And I, you know, stew on it. How could we have done better? What do we need to get better at? You know, and I'm like that with, you know, my personal life as well. You know, get a bad grade on something, you know, like a big, project or paper for my teacher education program, which isn't very often I get a bad grade and a bad grade to me it's like an 80, you know, but hey, you know, um, I stew on it because I just want to get better from it. And so I think that this past Saturday may have been the best thing that could happen for us in the long run. It frees us up of false pretenses and expectations and we can just go out there and play ball. Well, God, I hope so, because Northern Illinois is coming to town. And the other thing is, all the trash that we've talked throughout the weeks, in the offseason, leading up to South Alabama, leading up to Colorado, just shut the fuck up and play ball. Let your play do the talking. 
Does that mean we have to be quiet? No, no, no. We're you, I'm talking about like inside the program. Just uh, okay. Just right. Shut up and play ball. You know. Well, John is itching to talk about Northern Illinois. The Huskies, led by someone who I don't know who their head coach is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach Rod Carey, I think, left for Temple, I want to say. That sounds right. Okay, so they lost to Utah 35-17 to last week. They fact. put up a fight, though. Yeah, and Utah's supposed to be, in Utah's supposed to be one of the Pac-12 favorites. Yeah, some people think they'll be in the playoff. Right. And uh, before that, they beat Illinois State 24-10, to which really doesn't sound that impressive. But, you know, South Alabama, Illinois State, eh, whatever. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think this I, – I don't have a good feeling about this game personally. Um, coming off an emotional loss um, – Bad, you know, forecast of rain on Saturday night in Lincoln. It just kind of has the feeling of a trap game, you know, not because you're overlooking it, but just because of a lot of extenuating circumstances. Well, I've, I've mentioned two, three times that we played 52 guys against Colorado. So that's a lot of guys. And you rewatched the game. Did you see a lot of rotation on the offensive line? We didn't rotate a single time on the offensive line. Okay, so they're getting their reps in. Defensive line? Oh, yeah, we rotate. We almost platooned. Right. Defensive backfield? Uh, there was some rotation that took place, yeah. Right. Linebackers so, were rotating with regularity as well. So we're getting our reps in some places, and then we're getting a lot of experience between a lot of guys in depth. They, you know, The complaint yeah. was about depth. Um, I don't know. I Northern Illinois, I guess. Uh, I think strong. it'll be. A, I think it'll be a little bit of a dog fight. Well, it's going to be a dog fight if our running game doesn't get better. Yeah. And we can't run up the middle, obviously. Nope. What's going to change with this? So far, we've seen pretty much Maurice Washington and Dedrick Mills, and maybe Wyatt well, Missouri a little bit, right? Yeah, he was in against South Alabama. What I'd like to see change is just kind of embrace where we're at right now in terms of our running game and focus on putting speed in space, you know, run a lot of sweeps, you know, outside zone, pin and pull, bash sweeps with the, you know, Maurice Washington, Ramir Johnson, um, Wandale Robinson's probably going to start playing more eye back now. And then using Adrian as that inside run threat, like how Ohio State would use their quarterbacks under Urban Meyer, like JT Barrett, Braxton Miller. And I think that's probably a good recipe to get our running game going. And I think, you know, really focus on getting the ball to the backs coming out of the backfield on screens and wheels and flat routes. I mean, Maurice Washington is, he is a legitimate offensive weapon and we need to showcase him as much as we can. So you've, since you, you're the guy that breaks down the plays, are you seeing a lot of, are we pulling a lot? Are we doing oh, misdirection yeah. on the line? So we're still doing that. Oh yeah. We're pulling a lot. Our biggest problem is mental mistakes, just missed assignments. 
Um, Cam Jurgens didn't come off of a combo block to a linebacker who ended up making the tackle in the backfield. If he does that, that play pops for a pretty good gain. And then we're also at the guard spots. We're struggling a little bit. Um, Trent Hickson and Bo Wilson are, you know, struggling with defenders, which is kind of, it's a little more understandable for Trent Hickson being a young guy, first time starter. It's a little bit more perplexing with like Bo Wilson and Matt Farniak though. Bo Wilson's now going into his second year as a starter and Matt Farniak's a three year starter. So we're, it's just going to take a lot of repetition. This running game could probably, you know, hopefully develop into something by year's end, the inside run game. But right now we're probably going to have to work a lot of the outside running game and the perimeter passing game to, give this offense a spark. So we need to, right now, what would we score? We scored 31. We need to score about 35, 40 points a game. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think our defense can keep us in most games. Um, you got a big D line, you know, and like Brock Heward pointed out in the broadcast, there aren't too many defensive lines bigger than ours in the country. If you got a big D line that can just muddy things up and let your linebackers work into run fits and getting to the ball carrier, you're going to be in good shape. And we have a good secondary as well. Um, things just fell apart in Boulder. Well, the last time we played Northern Illinois, do you remember oh. what happened? Oh, yeah. yeah I think we can spare Padre. Okay, I, well then we'll forget about it and we'll just move on. Okay, I, uh, we got Northern I, Illinois, the Huskies. Yes, Greg. I was going to say, you know, we always do a, a Q&A swap with, uh, you know, the opposing teams or in this case the opposing conference because I don't believe Northern Illinois has their own uh, SB Nation site. And when we're submitting questions to send to N- the NIU's, you know, beat, if you will, I, I threw in just that I said, if, uh, uh, you know, since the two teams met up two years ago and, and NIU won that game, uh, Nebraska subsequently f- uh, fired their then-athletic director, Sean Eichhorst. Uh, it wasn't more of a – it was more of a thank you, what kind of beer do you all like type of question. Like, I feel like we owe you a beer. What do you all drink on game day? So. Okay. Um, I don't know. Northern Illinois, do we know much more about them? They're going to come off that bus blitzing. Oh, shit, I would. Yeah, which, you know, one or two things can happen. One, our offensive line can continue to look lost against, you know, simulated pressure and exotic pressure. Or last week was a good learning experience, you know, in the film room to make them understand, you know, how to work passing off line stunts and identifying pressure and who's coming and who's not. So um, their defense reminds me a lot of BYU's from 2015, Riley's first game. Very aggressive. They take a lot of chances to get heat on the quarterback. Well, they switched from a – they have a Cal graduate transfer, Ross Bowers, who is uh, their starting quarterback. He's a pocket passer. Uh, interesting that he's a Cal graduate transfer and we have Noah from Cal, but anyway, 
I guess maybe it's not that interesting. But uh, pocket passer, what's that tell you? Well, I think our secondary should have pretty good, you know, opportunity to get some more turnovers, and this would be a good good game for our pass rush to really um, get some work in. It's just really going to come down. Are we going to score some points? Yeah, that's that's really what it is. Um, I think we're gonna we got to score at least thirty five, and that's pretty eh, ballpark figure to where my prediction's at. Well, let's get into just a couple other quick uh, bits of business. I I forgot. Full blame. It had nothing to do with uh, with the loss or anything like that. But I forgot to put the phone number out there towards the tail end of the of the game Saturday. So I tried doing it last minute here tonight before we started recording. Obviously, no voicemails came in. But I did get a message from friend of the show Josh. He has a question for you, Hoss. Yeah. He says, uh, and I'll just read this verbatim quote. Ask him if. When this offense is actually working, and it can actually run between the tackles, etc., if it can slow down and protect a lead and kill clock, or if it always just has to go balls out and risk giving the other team more opportunities. I feel like clock management, and that, 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 that's opportunities was the end of his question. This is me now. I do feel like clock management has been uh, um, lacking in, in the, the Scott Frost scheme. You can still hurry to the line. You don't have to snap the ball right away. Well, it's not so much the scheme that is the clock management issue. It's Frost's decision to go fast, what tempo to use. Um, down the stretch in that Colorado game, right before Adrian threw that interception when he was trying to hit Canavai Noah, uh, we were doing a nice job of not snapping the ball until about 10 seconds were left on the play clock, which is a big difference from last year in losses to Northwestern and Colorado. Uh, We're still snapping the ball with about 20, 25 seconds left on the 40-second play clock against those two teams. So you got to slow it down. you got to make the conscious effort to slow it down when you're protecting a lead and playing four-minute offense. The big thing is young coaches always struggle with clock management. Um, It's an art form. It takes a lot of years to develop. I hate clock management. <laughs> me and me, my three cents a me and my three cents a year coaching job was loves the Mike Leach mentality. School Let's fast, just go. Often, we're just scoring. I don't care what your clock says. I don't care what the score is right now. We're just scoring, and you know what we're going to do after we score. We're going to fucking score some more. Well, you you saw that work against Minnesota last year when we just couldn't do anything wrong. We just kept running, you know, running whatever we wanted in the score. But when you're in a game with a defense that can slow you down, if not stop you outright and get the ball back to their offense late in a tight game, you've got to be able to chew some time off the clock. You would hope so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was subdued. Yes. Well, predictions? Oh, by the way, Josh, I hope uh, you enjoyed your second shout-out of the show because I think he's keeping track of them now. Friend of the program. Friend, friend of the show. Friend of the show, Josh. Uh, predictions? You know, I am the uh, eternal optimist. 
I'm going to say Nebraska 49, Northern Iowa 27. I mean, Northern, Northern Illinois. Iowa. Northern Illinois. Hold on, let me have another drink. They're kind of the same. I, I'll go 31-21 Nebraska. Because, I mean, we've scored, what, 34 and 31 points or some damn thing? <laughs> well, we know we're not kicking any field goals anytime soon. So. Oh, we are, too. We're going to pick up a soccer club kicker, and he's going to fucking make field goals. Like Nigel Gruff. I'm going to go with Nebraska 38, Northern Illinois 24. Fair enough. One last bit. Can we uh, can we make fun of a, of a former conference foe before we get out of here? Is it Tennessee? Nope. Is it I Texas? said former. Yeah. yeah yes. Uh, so this came through the Twitter. Um, and I guess technically it was on Monday, but it's just hitting my eyes today. Uh, according to Tattoo Baker, which is at QB1 Tattoo, T-A-T-T-O-O, Big 12 officials uh, are quoting that Texas AD Chris Del Conte and Tom Herman have filed a grievance through the NCAA stating that LSU players were taunting with the use of horns down. <laughs> oh, Lord. Get tough, Nancy boys. What a bunch of fucking babies. <laughs> Get tough. I mean, seriously. Life must be pretty shitty to go through life with that delicate of sensibilities. What is their deal with the horns down thing? I mean, they did this with the Big 12 last year that they were going to have people were going to supposed to call in sports and have like penalties on the other team for doing that or something. Texas Texas talks a big game, but in reality, when you get right down to it, they're softer than baby shit. <laughs> well, that's a lovely comparison. Well, with with the uh, with the only one on the or I should say, not the only, but the one on the show with most recent experience with Baby turds is pretty soft. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. And there you go. All right, everybody, that is our show. Uh, we're going to be happier next week because we'll have another win to uh, talk about. And then we'll get looking forward to Illinois. By the way, the Illinois kickoff was announced earlier this week, 7 o'clock p.m., which means I've got a lot of tailgating that I'm going to be doing that day. You know, you know, Greg, if I had frequent flyer miles, which I don't, I would definitely book a flight to Champaign with it being a night game. Why don't you drive, dude? Because I can't I can't put aside that much time. All right. John. Yes. Pay for this man's flight to get to Champaign to party with me. Oh, oh, sure. All right. There you go. You two, <laughs> you two work out the details. I'm looking forward to uh, uh, tailgating with you, Haas. By the way, hell with hell with flying in Champagne, flying to St. Louis, and, and ride up with with us. Hey, if I if I had the money for a plane ticket, no, 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 John's paying. Time, would what? John's paying. John's paying. Not paying. I'll tell you what. Th- this is what we'll do. John pays for your flight here. You can pay for your return flight. Or instead of going halvesies, we'll go tripsies. We'll each pay a third to get you home. And uh, and you can hang out, watch the Huskers with me and my bride, and uh, and a lot of other good Husker fans. And uh, we're gonna get that first W of the Big Ten conference season. We're gonna get it underway. 
On September 21st, Champaign's Memorial Stadium, not nearly as impressive as Nebraska's Memorial Stadium. But I'm excited because that means a hotel room for me and my wife that night. And I'm not saying anything beyond that, but no kid. You're going to make baby number two. Ah, I mean, I ain't going to turn it down, you know what I'm saying? Well, you know, T. Boone Pickens passed away today. And when I get it, my wow. when I get my inheritance share from him, I'll be sure to I'll, I'll share. I like how you went from, you know, the creation of life to death. Thanks a lot, John. The circle of life. And and our episode with Debbie Downer is complete, everybody. Uh, you have to. What, John? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Let's get the hell out of here. Uh, reminder that you can find us on most podcast apps, but especially the ones I know for sure we're on. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, uh, the Megaphone app, if, if it's an actual app. You can find the, the player right there on Coronation. So check that out. Or jitterymonkey.com. Go to jitterymonkey.com and hit up the shop and get some uh, Husker gear. Then we're working on new designs all the time, and uh, we can get you a shirt. If you say, hey, Greg, I want a shirt to say Bleep Iowa, I'll make a shirt that says Bleep Iowa just for you. It's my dedication. I've already got Iowa Sucks shirts up there. Let's get some Bleep Iowas up there. Uh, we're not allowed to say that on Coronation. We're not allowed to use such a profane aggression. Uh, but on a shirt from my site, if you want something that says Bleep Iowa, we'll make it say Bleep Iowa just for you. Um, but anyway, uh, you can interact with the show on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, of course, at Coronation or at the number 5 Heart Podcast on Twitter, or you can spell out 5 Heart Podcast, like us on Facebook as well. For myself, Greg Mahachko, for John Dam Johnston, for Haas Reuter, we remind you this week and every week that 5 Heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red and beat uh, them guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just lost that. Jesus. Please win the damn game. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.